Hey, Chris, make sure you turn the volume on. No, this I've time. already got it set on. Rolling opener, you got 30 seconds. Ten. Live. Happy Saturday, everyone. Welcome to episode 39 of the Trash Talk Hour. Shout out to our sponsors, Ventura Trading and Athletics, Cardinal Financial, and last but not least, Tent Mountain Whiskey, type in VTT and get yourself a discount. Our special guests today are Tom from Warrior Heart, and we have Colonel Buccino, and Sergeant K from the 18th Airborne Corps, and they're going to be talking to us about the new sexual assault and sexual harassment initiative in the Army. And today I'm joined by Nick and Buddy. Joe is on daddy duty and welcomed this beautiful son to the world yesterday. So uh, congratulations, Joe, to you and your beautiful family. Over to you, buddy. Let's get this party started. All right, guys. So uh, the, uh, the, my, my honesty cap minute. This, uh, oh, he's got this- a pen. He's got a pen. Oh, I had to write down notes. Oh, I did. Trouble. I did back this this might be lit. So I just saw that everybody's losing, kind of losing their mind this week about how the uh, the army has redone AR six seventy one, and now girls can have ponytails. And the biggest thing is that thank God finally we took out the words mohawk, Fu Manchu, goatee. And I think white trash mullet do out of the 670-1, which is good because I, every time I read 670-1, was offended wholeheartedly. It, it was bad. I didn't, I like, these are my people. You can't call them white trash mullet wearers. We should be able to have them. But the, the most odd thing for me has been the fact that people at this point, now the, the guys that are still in, are losing their mind that we would have the audacity to allow female soldiers to have ponytails in uniform, but we can't grow beards. We can't have facial hair. What the hell is going on? You grow beards all the time. When will we? Well, hold on. because No, they get told to shave them too. That being said, you can't have a beard because a beard is something that you like people that are cool grow beards because they need to grow one for whatever reason. SF guys don't grow beards when they're in garrison. They just have regular facial hair when they're in garrison, unless they're getting ready to go somewhere. But if you want to grow a beard and you're in the army, there are a couple ways you can do it. You can get a shading profile, Nick, or I got, I got rid of mine. I got rid of mine. You can do something special, and then somebody will let you grow some facial hair. It's real easy, not hard to do. I mean, it's more difficult than just sitting around bitching that you don't get to, like, not shave for a week. But you could do that, and then you could have facial hair, and everything would be all right. That brings me to my next my next thing, and that Uh-oh. is I get to, uh, to introduce uh, Tom Spooner. He used to be a uh, seventh group guy as a uh, he, the long career in SF, which is only overshadowed by the fact that he got selected 
to be in the 82nd Airborne Division once. Which Airborne. Is <laughs> better than every other unit that he's been in. Not Fact. a huge deal. Um, so uh, I did a little bit of research for this one. And uh, Tom runs uh, Warrior's Heart out of uh, – what, what town is it in Texas, Tom? It's in Bandera, Texas, about 45 minutes northwest of San Antonio. Yeah, so I would have I would have said the name of the town, but I feel like I didn't want to pull a, a Dave Trenton or Trentine, if you will. Um, Trentine. Uh, Trentine. And, uh, and have to some si Trentine. Okay. In order to say it, like Bahia or whatever. Uh, anyway, so uh, Tom runs uh, Warrior's Heart, and uh, I watched a couple of your videos on uh, on YouTube, uh, just doing a little bit of research. It's a uh, a super cool organization. Um, Really, really can't wait to, to hear more about it. But uh, the, uh, the the thing that, that kind of uh, that I enjoyed about watching like the videos was uh, you guys focus on uh, the the rehabilitative side for for everyone that is a warrior, and uh, and you don't like we're not doing we're not doing as you as you said in one of your videos we're not finger painting we're doing uh, like man art. So uh, welcome uh, welcome Tom Spooner to the uh, to the show. Welcome, ahead, Tom. Tom. Thanks for hey, coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Is this when I just go? The floor <laughs> is yours, buddy. Floor yeah, is so, yours. So, so we gave Buddy, a, a, like I said, a promotion where he actually gets to talk other than his honesty cap. And so he's, you know, he, the introduction was, I, I give him a B plus, but it's like. Hey, you know, I feel like I crushed that one. I did research, guys. I did hey, research. A, a B plus is a pretty high grade, buddy. I know they're higher than what you got in high school. Um, so, again, Tom, welcome to the show. Tell us about your service and uh, tell us about what motivated you to start what you're doing and how all that stuff's going on. That's how you do it, buddy. Right on, man. I'll, and I'll keep it as short as I can. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, awesome. Uh, so I came in the military in 1990. Uh, I was a private in the Gulf War. Uh, so that was my introduction into the military uh, straight from the street. So uh, it was it was a hell of an experience. Um, spent five years in the 82nd, uh, 1504 from 90 to 95. Uh, from 96 to 2001, I was in 7 Special Forces Group as an 18 Charlie. Uh, deployed to Central and South America pre-9-11 uh, was all, all my deployments with SF. And then September 2001, uh, I went out to selection for the unit and, uh, and I made it out there. Um, I stayed out there uh, as an operator from... 2001 until 2011 uh, ended up doing 12 deployments uh, 40 total months time in combat and then I retired in 2011 uh, so a little bit there with uh, that's my military story and a little bit of the personal story that goes along with that is um, I struggled with uh, for me I struggled with alcoholism at a young age so I got sober back in 92 uh, so almost 18 years of my military career Congratulations. you know I mean were Thanks, man. Even in spec ops, I was uh, I was a sober dude. Even in the eighty second, you know. So uh, you listen to that, uh, buddy. The beer. Pay close attention. <laughs> I am not a. Uh, I am not the uh, alcohol police by any means. It's a huge part of our culture. Uh, it's a huge part of uh, everything that we do. However, the only thing I do have a problem with if it's burning in your career or destroying your family, then like, yeah, I got a fucking problem with that, and so should you too. And. Um, so that was a, a, a big proponent whenever I got out. I was super passionate, obviously, about the military. Loved every single moment uh, I was in the military. Uh, the only thing I regret is uh, that I couldn't do stay in longer. I'd planned on doing the 30 years. I was a super lifer. Uh, but uh, 
between all my injuries, back injuries, I had a undiagnosed uh, TBI. Uh, so anyway, my shit was broke by the end. So, um, so I, I took my wins and, uh, and I retired, uh, you know, with 20 years, 10 months and 29 days. Not that I was counting, but, um, well, thank you for so your service, I, Tom. Thank you for your absolutely. service. <laughs> my pleasure, brother. Um, so the thing is, is that, uh, whenever I got out, I uh, needed a mission, right? I mean, I'm, I only understand I was at NCO, you know, health and welfare, the troops a mission statement. And, um, so for me getting out, I just transferred everything that I knew and to keep doing what I was doing. And uh, so to make money, I was, uh, you know, on the range, pistol carbine, CQB sniper. I didn't want to learn anything new, uh, pretty decent resume. So I did that, pay the bills. But I was super passionate about veteran suicide because uh, I was almost one of those guys. Uh, and so um, and I met my partner, Josh and Lisa Lannon with Warriors Heart back in 2013. Um, we ended up acquiring the property in 2015 in Bandera, Texas. It's 543 acre ranch. Uh, and then, and we opened for business in April of 2016. And, um, and since then, uh, so almost five years, uh, we've had over 1500 warriors come through our, our program. Um, we run a, a healing center and a training program. Um, that's what we do out there because we're either trained or untrained. And, um, and all of our folks that come out there, you know, as primary diagnosis, chemical dependencies or self-medication. Uh, so the training that we do out there is, uh, is we train them to how to uh, handle their emotions, handle their mental states, process trauma, uh, and live within their own skin um, without self-medicating. And um, it's a minimum 42-day inpatient from the get-go. Um, and just like it alluded to is uh, all the stuff that we do out there is experience-based. Uh, we don't have any great ideas or test theories. Uh, you know, it's all based a lot of it out of my personal experience in cognitive therapy and all the different therapies that I did. And, uh, and we put it into action with an incredible team that we have out there. And um, the biggest thing that we do is remind them of who they are. Uh, because, uh, you know, the warriors that come to us, they're coming in the lowest part they've ever been in their life. Uh, and we meet them where they're at. Uh, some of them are, you know, from homeless vets that come into the street to active duty guys and gals that are there. And uh, so we meet them where they're at and uh, and we get them cleaned up, trained up uh, to be sober, confident warriors and right back into the fight. So uh, that's just my one over the world um, with that. Um, better if like if anybody's got any questions too yeah that that's impressive tom i mean that's some that's some amazing stuff um my question to you is when when individuals come there um is there a certain timeline that they stay like is or is it as long as as you think you know hey you're ready to go back to the world and, and your stuff's together now or is this like a week-long program like can you elaborate on that a little bit i sure can so it's um so again, whenever it comes to the qualifications to come in, the primary is self-medication and secondary is PTSD, uh, mild traumatic brain injury, uh, moral grief and injury, you know, all the emotional and mental stuff as a secretary, as a secondary, because we know you can't, you know, because it's the chicken or the egg, you know, is it the trauma that makes me uh, self-medicate? Or is it the self-medication that brings up the trauma? Who gives a shit? Treat them both at the same time. You know, and so that's what we do out there. So to answer your question is it's minimum of 42 day inpatient treatment. Good. Uh, so Good. then whenever they come into us, we 
they come in minimum 42 and probably 80% of the folks, it fluctuates between 70 to 80% that come in um, are in that 42 days. Some of them extend um, a couple of weeks after that, you know, turn it into an eight week program. But again, it's all based on what everyone needs. Some, some guys and gals come in, knock out 42 days, get uh, cleaned up, trained up, and they're right back into the fight. Um, but some folks need, just like in every other training aspect that we have, some folks need more training. They need retraining. You know, some folks, it takes longer depending on where we come from. So uh, yet answer your question is minimum 42 days inpatient. And then we have our uh, sober living and we have a step down uh, where they can go into intensive outpatient treatment, which is, you know, hey, it's just half days, you know, and they're in a controlled environment. So that's, that's awesome, Tom. Yeah. Where awesome. where can uh, where can people find you? And uh, do you guys rely on donations uh, for the nonprofit, or you guys have a different system set up? Because we get a we've we've uh, had a lot of nonprofits on here that have different systems set up. And uh, so how do you, how do we how do people get a hold of you? How do they get people to where they need to be, and all that kind of stuff? Right on the 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 biggest thing you need to know is just warriorsheart.com. So. You know, me keeping it simple is, is uh, if you go to warriorsheart.com, uh, that'll get you to the web page that explains everything that I was talking about. And also on that page, um, we also have Warriors Heart Foundation, which is the is the, a charity. Um, so there's two aspects. Warriors Heart itself uh, is a for-profit private entity. reason we do that um, is because the only way to guarantee the anonymity of our folks that we know it really requires um, is to be governed by HIPAA law. Um, so that was the number one reason why we kept it private and we had to have it sustainability purposes. But if folks do want to help out, like uh, there's several organizations that help us out at scholarships or hardships for folks, because we know our population doesn't doesn't make that much money. And the ones that come to us, you know, they've burned through a lot and made not a lot of good life decisions. So those foundations were created in order to subsidize treatment costs uh, for the individuals. And one of the, the greatest things of all the great things we say is no one has ever been turned down from Warrior's Heart uh, because of lack of funds. Uh, we're TRICARE certified. We're in line with the VAs through the Mission Act. So we have several different venues. And however we need to figure it out, we get it figured out and we get guys and gals what they need. Tom, amazing. And, and then real quick, you mentioned several venues. Where are, we, where are we located at in the U.S.? Just Are we state specific or do you have places all over the U.S.? So currently uh, we have one facility, which is in, uh, in Bandera. Um, we're, we're in the process of looking, uh, on the East coast in South Carolina and also in Texas, uh, looking more towards Dallas and maybe Houston. So, you know, we were just, uh, the demand is, uh, horrible, uh, which is a kind of a double-edged sword, a great thing and a bad thing. I mean, we're setting with, uh, you know, a lot of folks in house and we still have 20 to 30 on the waiting list. So it's, uh, it's, we're really trying to uh, expand, but we have to do it right. Uh, and we won't lose quality of care. Uh, you know I mean? If there's, that's the beauty about one of the jobs on the site for me is that unlike any other place, uh, there's warrior oversight, uh, you know, and that, and that's my job. I know what the guys and, you know, the warriors can only take so much of therapy. They can only take so much of the medical, they can only take so much. And then they need somebody to keep them in line when they just want to screw off. So it's, uh, it's really unique what we have out there. And I would just, if, 
if anybody, you know, I mean, gets an opportunity to come by and just visit uh, and check out what we're doing, um, we'd love, love to have you uh, out there. Love it, Tom. Absolutely, hey, Tom. You, man. I, I, That's amazing. I thought it was uh, is interesting that uh, like watch it. First of all, it's interesting that you're a Charlie because all of the best humans in the world are uh, are Charlies from uh, from the 18th <laughs> series. These guys don't know, but Charlies are in fact the best humans that have ever lived. That being said, and seventh group cord together. And yeah, well, it. maybe not seventh group. I mean, that's <laughs> tomato. Sounds tomato, like seventh whatever. group's better. Whatever. Seventh group, seventh group sounds way more productive. Better. Who said yeah. whatever? Who knows? Anyway, but uh, I did. Uh, I did enjoy, <laughs> like again doing a little bit of research and and watching your videos. I noticed that uh, you made it a point to to say that you know a lot of this stuff is really curtailed towards the warrior mindset and the mindset of guys that are in the army, police officers, whatever. Like they don't refer to it as rehab. Yeah. You call it training. It's like a training course. It's not. It's just retraining people on how to live their regular lives, but without alcohol or, or the, the things that are hurting them. And then I noticed, uh, the, I mean, you didn't really make a point of it, but watching one of your videos, you, instead of calling it PTSD, you just refer to it as PTS. Like there's no disorder right. in it. Was that a conscious decision or is that, um, or, or what, I guess. And a, absolutely, man. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, we have to call it PTSD because that's what the legalities and the, the classifications and all of that, you know, so, hey, we, we play the game, but we just call it PTS because, you know, when human beings uh, go to combat uh, and they experience combat or they experience trauma like that, there's an effect on it. It's not a disorder. Uh, unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath, you're going to be you're going to be affected, you know, by trauma. You know, and some people process the trauma and don't have uh, any any problems. You know what I mean? They just kind of do what they need to do and go on. Uh, but one of the big reasons that uh, that that the PTS aspect, you know, is the worst name. If if you go back to whenever it was kind of noticed, uh, as far as we know, you know, in the Civil War, they called it soldier's heart. Um, and then from soldier's heart, you know, they went into world wars and they called it shell shock, shell shock. you know, and then from. And then from there, they called it, you know, battle fatigue, you know, and then from there, it came into this PTS, like, okay, how did we go from these things that were very oriented and very accurate, you know, to a human being experiencing something to a psychological term? Um, and it just did. And we're not trying to fight the term or anything. But to answer your question, it's super important for us. Uh, to realize is that, hey, you know, struggling with nightmares, struggling with hypervigilance, struggling with that list of symptoms, like that should be a medal because it means you've fucking done something with your life. You know, it means that you have done things that other people, uh, and not a negative of other people, but you have volunteered, whether you're a firefighter, EMS, uh, military member, you've, you've put yourself in a position uh, to receive trauma. Uh, voluntarily you know and that's when you go back to like we call it a training aspect because not because some like trickery or cool words kind of thing but 100 factual because if you would have asked me before i had cognitive therapy and psychological therapy and all the other therapies if you'd have said hey tom uh you know you're all screwed up what's the matter with you you know uh, i was like yeah i don't know i'm all screwed up and it's like well when, when was the last time you received emotional training i was like oh well i never have i said well then doesn't make sense that 
that you're sucking in it right now. Just like with my pistol, if I'm shooting at 25 meter bulls and I'm missing and I had never done it before and you walked up to me, it's like, hey man, why are you sucking so bad? It's like, <laughs> well, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing the best that I can and I'm missing. And then they have a great idea. It was like, hey, well, why don't you come to this training course and you'll be a whole lot better. And then you'll be able to come out here and do it on your own. So it's not a trick of words or semantics or word plays when we try to, when we call it a training course like that's actually the most appropriate words uh used utilized of course we have our psychologists of course we have our medical personnel the subject matter experts that handle that in there um but it has to be mind body and spirit you know what i mean and we have to address uh everything that's going on uh in a war there's a way that warriors heal like if you put me in a hospital you know, and you treat me like I'm a sick person and you treat me like I'm crazy and you take my shoelaces and my belts and everything like that. Guess what? Environment matters, man. And I'm not going to get better. Now, some people really need to be in there because they have like some really intense uh, schizophrenia or multiple personality or extreme bipolar. There are psychological things going on that people need those facilities. But the majority of the folks, they just don't know how to live their lives without self-medicated because they haven't been trained and you know the deal once we get trained it's up to us to implement our training you know and you know what happens with training a lot of times i screw that up and then i get retrained and then i go you know it's it's very familiar to this population we understand training we understand standards uh, and we understand being held accountable um so it's just, it's not rocket science. It's not some new age thing that we did. We've just knocked the dirt off of, hey, what works uh, for warriors, you know, in the past. And we utilize present technologies, uh, whether it's EMDR therapies. Again, not anything that that isn't battleproof. And then we know that works. So anyway, I get on a roll. I'm super passionate and I start talking. So y'all can shut me down at any time, man. No, Tom, that's, that's perfect. Uh, again, we have, like I said, we have another part of the show coming up as well with uh, some other great guests and they can feel free to chime in too on uh, the conversation. Uh, I have to plug our sponsor here real quick with sure. uh, uh, muscle training and athletics, uh, Ventura training athletics with muscle activation. Okay. The, they, it's a former paratrooper who uh, a buddy of mine whose business helps do that. And they're, they're out of, they're based out of Denver, but he works out of Ventura and they're part of the Denver Broncos. So they treat TBI and PTSD with muscle treatment. And that's one of their main focuses. And especially with the NFL and uh, what I forget what the name is for their type of brain injury, CTI, CTE, CTE. And uh, so that guy's working with the Denver Broncos on it. And it's like, people don't realize, like you said, even EMS or other, other professions where it's PTSD is in their mind, literally a brain injury. So Mm -hmm. they, they fix it and they treat it with, you know, muscle work and getting your body symmetrical. So your, your nervous system can work the right way and all that kind of stuff. So again, and he treats veterans for free. So maybe after the show, we can, maybe uh, I'll, I'll text you their information and maybe you can make them a part of your program as well. Cause they, they work on me for free and they kept me in the army and when the army wanted to kick me out and give me a new knee and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, they got me running again, no problem. Uh, that's, it's awesome. Feel free to stick around, Tom. Uh, Absolutely, the, I will for the conversation. Uh, and uh, I'll I'll do a short book of Earl. I know I can get winded. It it, uh, it bothers Dave sometimes, but again, I I started this podcast because nobody listens to me. 
right? So it's our therapy, I, Nick. It's our therapy. If, if I it. get a bunch of if I get a bunch of good guests on and put funny buddy on, then people kind of have to listen to me to get to the guests. Uh, so that's that's what I do. Uh, Bill got some hate mail last time. Those of you who didn't, Bill usually covers for Joe when he's gone. He's punished right now. Uh, Bill's a sergeant major. He works uh, uh, out there at Fort Riley or something like that. Someplace terrible. Uh, and uh, you know. He waterboarded himself on the show last week, and it was hilarious. Okay, uh, people who didn't see it don't understand it. It was it was one of the coolest things we've seen on the show. But to address some of the triggered people, you know, because there's always you're never going to please everybody, right? There was people that actually got mad at Bill for doing that, you know, and I and they they send us some hate mail, and I just deleted it because we get some of it. I don't even read it sometimes, but I, this one was kind of funny. He goes, "What was that Sergeant Major's problem? If he doesn't like podcasts or people talking, then he shouldn't be on a podcast." You know, and it's like, interesting. Like you took the time out of your day to type that to us. Like, bro, go concentrate your energy. Like follow the book of Earl, go concentrate your energy on being great at something. All right. Don't worry about what you're unhappy about. Like, don't worry about Bill. All right. Don't worry about Bill waterboarding himself. 99% of our audience loved it. It was freaking hilarious. Uh, Bill is not really punished. We just didn't invite him because we got two guests on today. Uh, so I got a, my, my book of Earl, you know, I got, I got in touch with, uh, Colonel B and Sergeant K via WTF. They tagged me on Twitter and I saw what you guys were doing. And, uh, you know, so then I got a hold of you guys and you were like, Hey, get us on the show immediately. I'm gonna have to ask to unmute you. Cause I'll have a, have you guys on here pretty quick. Um, I was already planning on discussing, uh, sexual harassment, extremism, that kind of stuff. I've, I've, I've touched on it before and I get upset at the, uh, your voice matters meetings that we have to have at work. Okay. Um, I get a little upset because I, I, I still stick to my guns that the army is one of the most efficient organizations I've ever been in, ever seen. I was in other places before the military. I'm an, I got a little bit later. Uh, there, of course, w there is a culture and then there's a climate and people don't understand that difference. Okay. And I believe that there is people who are responsible 80, 20 for each. Okay, now the 80-20 for the climate, that is the follower. That is the bottom-up refinement that you need, all right? The 80-20 for the culture, all right, culture is leader, okay? The leader develops the culture. The leader gets people to buy into the culture, all right? So as I was, you know, studying at the, the Yale, the Southwest UTEP, which is uh, way better than Arizona State where Bill goes, um, getting kind of similar master's degrees, but they describe an event when you're talking about the law of processes and, you know, changing a culture, get, just, you know, establishing a credo, a vision, right? So the law of process and then a, an, an event is what a climate is, all right? It's a climate challenge. It encourages decisions. It motivates people. Uh, it challenges people and it's easy to do. Okay. If you're a good leader and you got good followers, you can change a climate like that. All right. And it can be instant. Okay. Now on the other side of it, you have culture. All right. And now culture is as they define it, it motivates people as well. It, it matures them. Okay. It motivates and then matures them. All right. It develops people. It encourages development and then it, it changes people. And it's very difficult. 
So when I sit here in the, in these meetings, I go, you do realize that the culture outside of the DOD has a huge responsibility for the, obviously the people that we put into the army. All right. Now, if you're not in, if you're not in a unit that has much leader involvement and again, us infantry guys, and then, you know, you go to special forces or whatever, you're very tight with each other. All right. And it's your flaws get brought out very quickly. Right. And it's like somebody who is a leader, this is where the 20% of the climate comes in for the leader. He shuts that shit down. All right. He or she fixes that. Okay. Because they're a leader and they're working on the culture. Right. So they're encouraging you to develop. They're encouraging you to change. Right. Now, to say that there's not extremists in the army, to say that there's not rapists in the army, to say that there's not sexual harassers in the army is ignorant. All right. Obviously. All right. 100% they're there. But as far as the top dogs go, the leadership, the DOD, those policies are there. Right. They, they have the policies there for the culture. Okay. It's outside of the DOD that brings these people in. And then it's weak leaders that don't enforce and change their climates. All right. Mm -hmm. And what I would challenge, and I hope uh, Colonel B, when they explain their, their initiative, I, you know, f feel free to disagree with me all you want, because please, that's how you learn. But uh, if I was to ask 25 soldiers, you know, in units that are subpar, that we deem subpar, if I pulled 25 soldiers and said, what is your unit all about? Right. I guarantee you, I get probably 25 different answers. All right. And then people don't like the chip on the sh shoulder of the 18th Airborne Corps. They don't like the chip on the shoulder of the Rakasans. They don't like the chip on the shoulder of the 82nd. Well, guess what? If you ask us who the fuck we are, all right, you're probably going to get a pretty similar answer from every single paratrooper. All right. You're probably going to get a similar answer from everybody in group. All right. And that's because they have a culture of winning. All right. Of dominating right now. I challenge the leaders. I, I, I'm going to say it's your fault. It's we don't need bottom up refinement to change the culture of sexual harassment and assault. We need leaders to make sure that we are encouraging the development and, you know, putting it the right way. Like when I, if you ask somebody, what is the sexual harassment policy in the army? I'm pretty sure we all should say the same thing. Maybe my opinion, how I would fix it if I was some, you know, four star working somewhere in the Pentagon, I would try to develop a credo that's not a six page long creed, like Jumpmaster, right? Like the NCO creed, you only memorize it twice, the E5, E6 board. Okay, that's it, right? And it's, it's so long, who memorizes that crap anymore, right? You should have six to eight words of something that you're all about, right? And then everybody can do that and do that. I'm going to introduce our guests here real quick. Look up a Lumacore if you're, if you're bored one day and look up a guy who started a whole new culture change by one word. He called it safety, right? And he changed a Fortune 50 company to becoming number one again in the aluminum side. But anyways, welcome to the show. All right, Sergeant K and Colonel B. All right, we are super excited to have you. So please tell us about your service, where you're from. And then also, you know, tell us about this 18th Airborne Corps initiative. We're pumped to get it out, pumped to uh, spread it out because, again, we're streaming live on Gruntworks. I'm not following Gruntworks right now, Dave is, but, you know, that's a community of some, you know, people that like to fly off the handle with some of their mouths and stuff like that. And that's part of the culture, 
right? So again, it, they need to tune in and listen carefully. That's what yeah, they tune in and listen carefully because the culture outside the army has to change as well. Otherwise, it isn't. Otherwise, it's just much harder work for us. So, 100%. welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to the Trash Talk Hour. Tell us what you got going on. Thanks so much. I'll let uh, Sergeant K go first. Thanks for having us, though. All right, cool. So I'm Sergeant Knuven. As I said, uh, I'm here at Fort Campbell with the 101st Rock Sons with the chip on our shoulder. Um, I'm a 68 Whiskey Combat Medic. I, right now, I work out at uh, our Mystic, which is our medical skills training center on post. I'm primary instructor out there, just kind of overseeing um, revalidation, credentialing for all of our 68 Whiskeys. Oh, her internet was um, working the entire time. What the air was, did, it, did it go out? Can you guys hear me now? You're good. We can oh, hear yeah. you. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So what the 18th Airborne Corps did, and, and Colonel Bacino, you absolutely feel to correct me if I uh, misinterpret this, but for my interpretation and perception, it was you put out the sharp challenge and it was supposed to supplement the dragon's lair. And the dragon's lair Awesome thing that honestly I had no idea about. And I, I regretfully so I didn't know about it until the Sharp Challenge came out because that's what piqued my interest. But Dragon's Lair is all about innovation and just simple things we can do in the Army, save us money, time, uh, protect us from injuries. So that's very cool. But the Sharp piece specifically, uh, it was to supplement the show and kind of hit this um I hate to say check the box because I don't think it was a check the box thing. I think it was very strategically placed in the dragon's lair to meet this requirement that was put out by hire to, Hey, you need to bring some ideas to this round table meeting on how to fix this sharp program. Obviously with the Fort hood stuff, it's big deal, right? So leaders everywhere have been challenged. Hey, you got to figure this out. And I think it was a very strategic and perfect approach to, to get some ideas, um, from your best resource as leaders, you use your best resources uh, when you're when you're developing plans, right? Like if you're an engineer, if you're a Charlie, 18 Charlie, right? You would expect your team sergeant to come to you as a Charlie if he is not for ideas on how to better whatever you guys do, breaching, demolition, whatever, right? So you use your own resources, and that's what 18th Airborne Corps did. So they use their own soldiers to pitch ideas. Uh, and I just so happened to be lucky to be one of them. And um, what I said specifically, do we want to get into that right now? Or do, do Colonel Bacino, do you have anything to correct on that? Before hey, I we, get into my pitch? Yeah, yeah, let's get into the, like, the, the actual program and what you guys are doing, because I obviously anybody listening could obviously learn from it and then, uh, you know, or sharpshoot it, one of the two. And uh, so we'll see what we, we'll see what we got. Yeah, so thanks. Uh, thanks there, Sergeant. Sergeant Knuven, uh, great job explaining it. I'm, I'm Joe Bacino. I work for the uh, 18th Airborne Corps. I work for General Carrillo. Um, we had this program, as she identified, uh, called Dragon Slayer. We set it up last October. The idea is there are, I, there are notions, there's innovations, there's solutions all across the 18th Airborne Corps. We've got 92,000 soldiers, 14 installations. We're 40% of the operational force. And, you know, we are about a culture of innovation and pushing innovation and pushing the envelope. And so we thought soldiers have ideas. They find solutions to inefficiencies in their daily lives, inefficiencies we don't even know about. And they implement those ideas. Well, those ideas are probably locked 
somewhere in a formation. They're, they're trapped behind army bureaucracy. So let's free those ideas and let them loose into the wild. And to do that, we started this uh, Dragon's Lair program. So it's obviously like a, a Shark Tank style, style show. A little bit of a, you know, a little bit of theater involved there. Um, and then last year, really in, in uh, beginning in December, really beginning December and January, you know, the Fort Hood report obviously uh, brought a lot of attention and, and, and we should have been thinking about this previously. But General Carrillo, the commander of the 18th Airborne, invested a lot of time, a lot of time in walking around, talking to soldiers, focus groups, surveys, one-on-one -on -one interviews. And what he found is that soldiers have been thinking deeply about this for much longer um, than, than uh, the tragedy around Vanessa Guillen. And so what other ideas are out there? What, what are we missing? Uh, and so we decided to, as, as she identified, place this within our episode three of Dragon's Lair. And so we, we introduced it, we, we made it public, and then it very quickly, uh, very quickly took off since, since then. And, and a lot of people have, so 41 uh, ideas were submitted. We have committed publicly to implement 40 or some element of 40 of those ideas. And then we, we were gonna bring two forward to, to present in front of our panel of experts and General Carrillo. We weren't able to get it down to two. We ended up getting it down to seven to include uh, Sergeant Knuven and then brought the seven in. And we are, we are in, we've publicly endorsed all seven ideas in total. Um, and you know, for us, you talked about culture and um, you know, how do we change culture? Well, well this has to, perpetuate beyond our lifetime. Um, and how do you do that? Well, you know, one thing we found is, is that a large portion, perhaps a majority of our soldiers do not have confidence in the SHARP program. And if, if people don't have confidence in the SHARP program, you don't really have a SHARP program because people are not going to report, people are not going to invest in the system. So, you know, that, that's really what it is for us. It's, it's giving the soldiers a voice. You know, the, the army has this sharp symposium next month. And the ideas were coming from a small group of 30 colonels in the Pentagon, the, the People First Task Force. Well, those may not be the people who have the ideas. They're not looking at the problem. They're not thinking about the problem. They're not aware of the problem. Um, they're aware of the regulations. They're aware of federal guidelines. They're aware of the Center Armed Services Committee is asking them. But these conversations and these experiences that, that Sergeant Knuven may, may talk about hers, these are lived experiences. And if you come out of a lived experience, you have perhaps a solution to that. And so, um, you know, it's gotten a lot more attention than we thought it would. There, there's, you know, Associated Press, um, National Public Radio, um, you know, task and purpose, everybody's writing about this, talking about this, and everybody's calling into us asking about this. And, and so, you know, that attention, only good things can come from that attention. Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with that. But again, maybe to pick at it a little bit more, maybe get some more information out. I don't know if uh, we could put Sarah K on a spot to see if she can describe it, you know, the, the little the, the developing the mentorship, as you want to call it. But I know Buddy can chime in as well. But we've talked about Fort Hood before on our show. And, uh, this is where I, I get a little, I get a little irritated as a, you know, as a leader in the army, as a non-commissioned officer, I, I get irritated when 
I completely agree with pulling ideas up from the bottom up, 100%. My problem with that is, is you're getting bits and pieces of people's individual climates, all right? You're getting bits and which we need. We need that, all right? What I'm challenging the leaders to do, because Fort Hood, everybody keeps saying, hashtag the report, right? And I was getting on arguments with people on Twitter who keep tagging, I said this before, keep tagging Star Major of the Army in it, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, are you all just a bunch of keyboard warriors? Or are you going to do something about it? All right, because hashtag Fort Hood report, I, I'm not going to, obviously not going to say the guy's name, but I know a guy who, when he got into the Army in the 90s, all right, he was a younger E5 at Fort Hood, right? And he obviously was coming from his own culture, his own climates, what he grew up in. All right. And when he got to Fort hood as an E five on CQ, he got introduced to something called running girls in the barracks. All right. And he became part of that program as opposed to a, you know, a better program that actually developed into being a soldier. So he was running girls in and out of the barracks. And Nick, so Nick, not only what, do you, what yes. do you mean sorry to interrupt running i want you to be specific here what do you mean by running girls in and out of the barracks Prostitution. okay he was the pimp he was the pimp all right and he was he came from a poor area right mm -hmm. and this was some fast cash money and there was lots of officers involved right and so the and, and then like Buddy got mad about the hashtag Fort Hood report before the Fort Hood report came out. It was like, where are the junior leaders? Well, oh, can we, Buddy, hold you can on. Hit that. Hit hold that. On. Let me, let me get, let me get it. You know what the, that really drives me insane, Nick? And, and especially now that like, um, I'm quote unquote, the old guy in the army, you know what I mean? So I haven't seen the army from like, oh, back when the old days, like I get to say back in the old days now, but back in the old days, and, and I feel like we go through these circles where we have to relearn lessons that we should already fucking know at some point. But I remember being a private and having to worry about the battalion sergeant major coming down and asking me what the max effective range of my 249 was or how to treat a freaking uh, arterial bleed or you know, all of these different questions. But the other thing that that senior NCO was doing was finding out what all was going on in the battalion, what was going on at the company levels. He was talking to soldiers about their, like, what was going on in the barracks, what was going on at their house. There were first sergeants that were doing the same thing because they wanted to catch it before the sergeant major did. At some point, as, an, as, as a group of leaders, the, the army decided that officers and NCOs should be doing the same thing. And senior NCOs should be right beside their, their officer that they're advising all the time, all day, right behind a computer, checking emails and making sure that they're at the same meeting that their colonel or their general or whoever they were glued to was at. You can advise at from 1500 to 1600 and spend the rest of the day at the work that no officer has ever made a decision at a meeting at a single meeting. It's never happened. George Washington never made a damn decision at a meeting. You can advise after the meeting, as long as everybody is on the same sheet of music and well, sir, I don't think I would do that. 
we have NCOs and officers for reasons. We need to, like the NCOs, 100% are supposed to be the backbone of the Army. Why are you not down at the company level figuring out what's going on? Why, are, why do we have to have a Fort Hood report? Everybody should have already known what was going on at Fort Hood because there Fact. should have been a million and a half NCOs that already had their, their, their fingers on the pulse of their unit. But instead, it's easier for them to sit in their CP as a platoon sergeant or in their office as a first sergeant or in their office as a sergeant major and read a regulation or bitch and whine and moan about the newest thing that's coming down and or, or make sure that some tracker of 350-1 training is done than it is to be down at the squad or platoon level or out at the range talking to dudes, making sure they're getting the training that they're supposed to do. Our job as NCOs is making sure that the, the, the officers have the product they need to win our country's wars. Fact. Not to advise them on, you know, like BS at a meeting all day long. That's not our job. And we need to get back to doing our job. Perfect, buddy. Sexual yeah, that's... assault is, is, a, is in the same realm. But yep. the whole thing kind of intertwines and in NCOs doing their job and taking ownership of what we join the army to do. Yeah, so that's go ahead, go ahead, sir. Uh, jump in there. You know, it is important to understand that Fort Hood is not on some other planet in some other army. The problems manifest in Fort Hood date back to, at, at the very least, the, the transition between GWAT and what we're now calling large-scale combat operations. Maybe they go back even further. Those problems are manifest in every army installation. Um, so, you know, to separate ourselves, to separate the army from Fort Hood and point to the Fort Hood report, I think devalues um, and diminishes the scope of the problem. Yeah, 100% agree. And that's kind of, I, I think we're seeing on the same wavelength on that one. That was what Buddy brought up a bunch of shows ago. And then Bill, sorry, Major Bill always brings up, hey, in the Army, we need to find people that suck and fire them. Like, that's that's another thing that we have to do as well. And again, yes, when we hear those things that happen at Fort Hood, and when I interviewed uh, Leah, who does uh, the Female Warrior Edition for Veteran Trash Talk, I mean, like, I'm sitting here listening to her story, like, what the fuck? Like, I, to who? And, you know, and Joe, when he's on, he always has me remind people when I was a first sergeant, right? I had a, you know, I had, I was HHC first sergeant. So I had the medics. I had a female medic platoon sergeant, right? This is the first time in my career that I had females in my formation, right? And there, there were, you know, there was a lot of them. And I didn't see it as a, as a problem. I didn't see it as I have to change the way I talk now, because again, as you mature in the military, as you mature as a person, because you're buying into the culture of what it's for. And buddy and I believe the military's that culture. If you ask buddy and I, what the purpose of the army is, it's to, it's to win war, right? Like we agree with that. So we buy into what makes us ready to do that. All right. Does sexual assault ruin readiness? 100 fucking percent it does. Right. Does harassment ruin readiness? 100 percent it does. It, it, it makes my job harder to do if I have people in my formation that are doing that. So I already bought into that. Now I had to mature and I'm still growing. Right. I had to mature to where like, oh, shit, you can't say things like that. And I think about a time in Afghanistan where I made a joke about a female. 
right? Not a specific female. I just made a, a joke. I was a young staff sergeant and my first sergeant turned around and he snapped and pointed at me and he goes, no. And I was like, I thought it was pretty fucking funny, you know, but, but there wasn't a woman around, you know, or nothing like that. And so he, he brings me in his office, you know, and it was a little hooch later. And he's like, Hey man, you're a staff sergeant now. People listen to you. You got to understand that the kids that are coming up under you, that, that could be the first time they hear, a, you know, that you could have had a chance to make them actually see something different than the way they were raised in a shitty culture outside. And you're not teaching them the culture that the military has and should have. And I learned that lesson quickly and because, you know, obviously it was logical and it made sense. Right. And so I guess, I guess what I want to ask, like uh, you guys is, is I, I have to challenge the leaders. I have to challenge the higher ups to take the information. And like I said, I love what you guys are doing, but to take that information. And now how are we going to identify, how are we going to get a simple sentence across the board that every unit can understand like a simple thing to say, this is who we are. Cause what I did as a first sergeant with women, if I'm in my formation, I said, I read in the sexual assault stats, the harassment stats, like a one out of every, whatever, you know, is this and that I go, if I find one of you hurts my family, I'll kill you. All right. And I, and I, and I, and I told Leah, I was like, I'd be in jail right now if I was your first sergeant. Cause I would have killed that guy. Right now, that might not do anything for the victim, and I'm sure Sergeant K can can come up with that. But again, I had I, I believe that I had that culture thinking there, and it's like I don't hurt my own family. That they could all say that. What does First Sergeant say about this? He says we don't hurt our own family. Everybody knew that. So Sergeant K, how do you see us? How do you see a culture change trying to eliminate the climate that you've experienced? Or, because obviously you use that, but how do you see the army changing the culture from? you know, from not only the outside, but from within? Well, uh, first off, I think command, I think command climate and culture are pretty much the same thing in my book. When you talk about the climate of a unit, you're talking about the culture of the unit. Okay. And they, and they both go together. And I know we disagree on that because I heard your spiel, but, and maybe Emma spoke earlier, but I think you said uh, leaders change the culture and peers change the climate. Is that right? Is that what I heard you say? I put it at an 80-20 perspective. So 80% of culture is leadership responsibility. Uh, climate is 80% follower responsibility. That's a follower. They say subordinate. I call them followers. So that's what I went with that. Okay. Well, either way you're looking at it, climate or culture, okay, uh, it's a top-down and bottom-up collaboration, right? Leaders can say all day this is not going to be tolerated. And if they hold true on, you know, punishing people who, who aren't living that life and they're offending people and they're assaulting people, well, that's great. But until you get that peer level pressure, you're not going to change a culture or a climate because commanders can say all day, you got to be ready. You got to have this PT score. You got to have, you know, this training done. You need to be calling X, Y, Z at the range. But it doesn't matter because if it's accepted by leaders, one, you're not going to change it. So that's the top down. If you're not eliminating these individuals who don't meet the standard and then two, that peer on peer pressure, what goes on at the squad level and those junior NCOs like myself, uh, we need to be doing exactly what you got called out on in, in your anecdote there. 
where they said, hey, not acceptable, you know? And I've been guilty of not calling people out on that because, you know, for various reasons, one, because, hey, I'm the female they're making jokes about. I'm not trying to like cause a scene here, right? But I should be calling people out on that, but then I'm a Karen, you know, look at my haircut. I'm a Karen. Yeah, that's what Leah says. Leah says that she goes, you know, I had to make a distinction between being the bitch, which means I'm just being an NCO, or I could be the girl that I should be, right? And the fact that that's in your head says what? That says culture, culture, right? That That, that is culture, right? And you are 100% right. They go 100% hand in hand, right? Yeah. That, that they feed each other. I was like, but somebody has to have responsibility on one or the other, I, I believe. And like the full, like, cause you can delegate, you know, authority, but you can never delegate the responsibility. Right. And I would say, let's put the responsibility of the unit's climates right on the, those more, the smaller level leaders. Now, when I'm talking like leader follower, because the way the military is designed, almost everybody except for two people are followers of somebody. Right. Yeah. So it's like, what are the senior leaders doing? What is, I guess because I, 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 I'm kind of using this for my own research as well for one of my classes. But um, so it's like what, what, what if you could say one sentence? I mean, you don't have to do it now. Maybe some, maybe do it on Leah's show. One sentence that could change the climate of your unit. What would it be, or your squad, or your team? Oh, well, I'll tell you right now. When we say zero tolerance, we actually fucking mean zero tolerance. Your ass is grass, bud. There's your sentence. Because you say it all day long, zero tolerance, not in our army. And that was the issue I had with it in my story. And that's part of, was part of my proposal. We say not in our army, but we don't mean that. We don't back it up with action. So you say it, you show it, and then you say it again. Hey, see? See right here where I educated this person who, who you know, they didn't act right. So now they're fucking out with no bennies. That's what I say. So I, have, I got a, I got a question. I got a and and like this might sound devil's advocatey, I guess. Sure. But yeah. here's my here's it's my about conversation. Here's it's my, all about conversation. That. And and here's my issue with the the entire thing. We we come at this with an idea that like like we're talking about culture, and we're talking about like especially when it comes to sexual harassment, sexual assault, we talk about it as if the culture exists that accepts all of those things, right? But I mean, from my experience personally, it's like we don't have a rape culture. We don't have like it's illegal. It's bad. You, you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to grab somebody's like 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 I couldn't walk into a formation and grab your ass. It's not a thing. I would get absolutely fried and I should. You know what I mean? But and, and we put one side we hold one side to a standard, whether it's the, you know, it, and generally not to, not to, not to throw it out there, but generally it's the male soldiers we hold to a standard. Right. But then, you know, the other side, we don't hold to the same standard and they don't hold the males to the same standard situationally. So, you know, how are they supposed to know like, okay, it's okay right here but it's not okay right here. And then we say zero tolerance, zero tolerance policies from what I've seen are never a good thing. Never. 
like in any because it doesn't give you the the ability to use your your brain matter in order to make a decision that is correct right because you know there's a big difference between you know a, a sexual harassment with a guy that you know comes in or a, a female even that comes in that has you know there is there are interpersonal relationships that the people on the outside don't understand that they may have a relationship that that whatever they're doing together is completely acceptable somebody sees it from the outside like we've got guys in like in group right now like that um that not uh, it's an enabler that i'm specifically talking about that was like super good friends with a, a another female soldier and he hit her on the ass during a uh, during pre-jump somebody that was outside of their unit saw it and said something and now that dude is getting uh, like investigated and uh, what it looks like he's going to get kicked out on a sexual harassment charge well that doesn't help anybody you know what i mean like and, yeah. and, and a zero tolerance policy doesn't really help anybody Can I it's say- just like because you don't have the ability to retrain there's no way to come back from that like, people make mistakes well right it that's happens. why I, that's why you know, you know I, I, mean? I get i get with uh sergeant k like i said in your squad so i think having the zero tolerance policy and this is where i get to the difference between climate and culture so the climate is something that, like I said, is easy and it challenges people. Okay. The climate develops people. All right. And it, and it matures people. Okay. You have to take into account where these soldiers are coming from. And like you said, you were hundred percent right. Sarah K. And then we've said on the show before is who's, who's stopping it. Who's go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, go ahead, I sir. just want to address Lawrence. I, I think you're, losing sight of what's important here um, in, in what you're saying. It's not true that we have an effective zero tolerance policy, and it's not true that these things are zero tolerance. Um, at some point here in the next month, U.S. Forces Command is going to reveal their report. So there's a number of reports uh, into Fort Hood. I can't. No, really no I wasn't, uh, sir. I didn't say that there was a zero tolerance policy. I said that zero tolerance policies are dangerous. Well, like, I would tell you that zero tolerance, like, a well, happens, then B happens is a dangerous policy to, to go by in almost every aspect has been proven to be detrimental well, what to about whatever organization. Zero you tolerance have- for drinking and driving. I mean, hey, you drink and drive, zero tolerance for it. There, you, there is no zero tolerance policy for drinking and driving. Well, though, correct. There Base is, dependent. there isn't just like shark. So if you fail your analysis, we have a clear zero tolerance on that. That is working. That is effective. It's yeah. not the same. If, if it was effective, then, then, then we wouldn't have to have your, or your analysis and people wouldn't fail them. Well, it's only effective because we're enforcing the urinalysis results. Yeah, but Correct, sir. I agree with that, buddy. So there's two, with that, 100%. Buddy, buddy yeah. there's two units in the army. There's one that doesn't do drugs and there's one that drug tests. <laughs> like that's, that's about right. it. But, but you know what I'm saying? I'm saying you can't say, you can't, you can't say that zero tolerance policies work and we know that because we have urinalysis and we kick people out if we if zero tolerance policies worked then we wouldn't be kicking anybody out because we would have urinalysis and nobody would fail them you know what i'm saying that's like saying that that we're going to we're gonna we're gonna stop 
sexual harassment by having a zero tolerance policy. But we don't have we don't have a permissive environment for drug use in the army. Correct. Like we did like hold on, like we did in right. 1967, 1968, 1969. We don't no, have we didn't that have because, a we, whoa, we didn't have a, a permissive okay so we I can go grab I can go grab a veteran from nineteen sixty eight and they'll tell you that we didn't have a there was no permissive environment for drug use. There was just a, a rampant amount of it because of the post Vietnam ability to get drugs during Vietnam okay, and then getting addicted to maybe we're, Shut up. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe we're defining permissive environment differently here. There was a permissive environment for sexual harassment on Fort Hood uh, over the last three or four years. And there are statistics that demonstrate that. I can't reveal those at this time. They're going to be revealed here in the next four or five, six weeks. Um, and that may translate across the army. So, you know, if, if we do the, the zero tolerance notion is not uh, has not been enforced. Um, you know, we've heard, you know, so Sergeant Knuven's story is an anecdote, right? It's, it's one notion, but now it's encapsulated entire story unto itself. And it follows, as she described it, it follows the perpetrator um, to a relatively favorable outcome. But there are many stories like that. And um, the percentages of female soldiers, or women soldiers on Fort Hood, who reported something like that are going to be higher, I think, than you think. They were higher than I thought. Um, but there, there was a large number of, of uh, Fort Hood, about uh, 30% of Fort Hood was surveyed um, as part of one of the three investigations that took about nine months. So, you know, if you're saying we're holding one side to account and not the other, I, you lost me on that one. I, I don't think if you're- that, No, that's, that's not what I said. Uh, you're- you're, you're misinterpreting what I said. Oh, I just I said, didn't understand what you're saying. I said that it seems like when we attack this, attack this problem, we attack one side of it instead of the entire, entire problem. Right. Right. The system. Um, the other side. The for, system. for instance, for instance, and it's, and it's anecdotal, um, which doesn't really help to solve any issues because those have various different, um, you know, things that come into play. But, um, like for instance, the uh, the the Marine soldier that uh, um, made the TikTok video in the past what week or two or whatever, that's you know very emotional about uh, a incident that was perpetrated on her and the soldier that perpetrated it was like innocent or was was found innocent or let go by a general, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That being said, it, you see that video. I watched the video and it was. To be honest, it was heartbreaking to watch somebody go through that much emotion. But then when you sit and you look at it, you see like, okay, well, what was perpetrated? But she doesn't put any information out. It's just a very emotional video. And then you're like, okay, well, like, where's the information from this? And then the information starts coming out. And again, not verified yet, but the information starts coming out and, and, it, and it turns out supposedly again i don't know that it's it, the, the entire case was about um uh pictures that were being sent around right well mm -hmm. okay well then that opens up more questions where did those pictures come from did she send them out first if, and if he shared them even if she sent them out right a hundred percent not cool not a thing that we should be like going hey yeah share them that's great that being said we also have to hold everyone that has a part of that Back. situation to account for their own portion of that situation, right? Okay, but 
with her story, it's my understanding that she, you know, had taken these photos of herself, rightfully so. She's allowed to do that, shared them in some capacity, and then they were missed, they were abused. Okay. So I'm thinking in comparison to myself, I'm married. If I want to take a picture of myself in the nude and send it to my husband, then I have somebody take that picture off my phone and send it to themselves. And this is, this is not a rare circumstance because I actually have a friend who this happened to that's not that Marine. Um, that is wrong. You oh, know? it's wrong. You're 100%. Right. You're, you're 100%. Right. 100%, right. 100%. Nobody's saying that, first of all, nobody's saying that you're, you're not right. And, and that's what I'm saying. There, there is a culture that says you're right. That isn't, you're 100% correct. Doing the exact thing that you said, the anecdote that you use, 100% you're right. But to apply that anecdote to this other situation that we don't even know actually what happened, A, you know what I mean? And, and watching that video, you want to go grab that dude and cut his nuts off and throw him out of the Marines, the Army, whatever. But at the same time, we're supposed to be logical critical thinkers who think about the entire situation and the facts of the case and all that stuff, again, back to the zero tolerance policy kind of issue that comes with that, no matter what your zero tolerance policy is, they're very dangerous. Um, but that hey. being said, when, when you look at it, like, okay, well, what if she did send them to just some random dude and then somebody else got them and sent them around? First of all, we're all adults. At some point, if you if you have to take responsibility for your own actions, it's a, it's we learn that from when we even if you don't learn it when you're a kid, you learn it when you join the military. It's you know, and, and yeah, it are your are are because you sent a picture. Should you be kicked out of the military? Hell no. But you should be able to look at yourself and go, okay, I did that. It was messed up, but. You know, and the other person that keeps sharing them and is ruining your relate or your reputation, should they get more of a punishment? Hell yeah. But should you not have to like face anything for your part in the situation? Probably also not. Right. Yeah. So si situation, situation dependent, buddy. And that's what I'm getting at. Whether I want to challenge mm -hmm. senior leaders, I don't want to. I'm not challenging the squad leader here. I'm like I, I'm on like the the Sergeant K wavelength, and I that's I kind of expected that answer from her. Uh, with for an E5 or E6, so you cut it that you cut that shit out, right? It's right. in my squad, it's not happening, but not happening. I'm gonna fuck a council, you I'm gonna send it up higher, right? So now, here's here's why I challenge the senior leaders because we don't have that necessarily as non commissioned officers as the responsibility. Like I said, we might have authority over some things, but we don't have the responsibility of what a senior officer does who has to make those decisions. So, like you said, we have a zero tolerance on drugs. However, it goes to a colonel's desk and that colonel might keep that person in, right? And that's the responsibility that they have, okay? So that's where the system overhaul, this is where I'm challenging senior leaders is that just discussion right here where, yes, sometimes it's, you know, it gets a little heated with the devil's advocate because there is some truth in the devil's advocate. It might be a little misguided, might be 100% correct. We, that's up for us to determine, right? But I challenge the senior leaders is that this discussion right here proves where we got E8s, E5s, a colonel, an old, an old keg guy, you know, that's he's in here. He hasn't said much yet, but it's like, you know, what we don't know. So you can't, if you ask all six of us right now, 
Like, what is the stance on Sharp? We don't have that answer. Okay, we don't have the same answer. We don't have the culture answer. I got a freaking climate answer for you. I'll freaking tell you right now the way I'm going to handle it in my climate, right? But we don't have one. And that's not a follower problem. That's not a subordinate problem. That is a leader problem. That means that there is something that is not understood somewhere above me. And if I got paid enough to go to college and learn more about it, I would, and I'd do something about it. All right. But that's what I would, that, that was, that's this right here is what I was trying to get at is to illustrate that we don't have the same answer. Do we need the same answer? We don't necessarily need the same answer for everything at all. But like Leah said in the chat on YouTube, she's like, you know, the good old boy system, that's what reminded me, is going to keep some people in. Well, we need to get rid of that. We need to get rid of some of those guys too. And some of those girls too. Cause there's, there's, there's females involved that keep this shit under wraps. Yep. Right. That, that, so it's like, again, we, I'm challenging, I'm challenging 18th Airborne Corps. Right. And I'm challenging cause I, I respect the shit out of 18th Airborne Corps because it's the best corps in the freaking army. Right. In, in, in the DOD. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's like we, you guys should be the trailblazers. That's why I was excited to have you guys on. Everybody looks up to us. They hate us so much. They, they want to be us, you know, because they, they can't be us. Right. So it's like, how do we get to that point where one day we have E5s, E6s, E8s, E9s, an 06 and 04 in the same room. And we can all give you the same damn sentence answer of what it is. And I, I honestly think that is going to be the system overhaul. Like the Colonel said that transcends our lifetime that if we get to that, but I, I like, and like Buddy said, we see the video. Everybody goes nuts. I talked about it last week. Everybody goes ape shit, and I'm like, let's let's slow down, and let's find out what the fuck happened. And now that you got DOD involved, you better mm-hmm. believe somebody's gonna find That's out what happened. happened. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know, and it's like <laughs> it's coming. The whole the whole lo- book of the law. So so what do you got on that? When I if I when I say I challenge, is that an appropriate challenge in, in your mind? Absolutely, it is. Yeah, you know, uh, on that that video, I actually we had this. Uh, Sergeant Knuvin can tell you, I, we had this thing Monday. We we finished. I mean, it feels like it was four years ago that we did this Dragon's Lair thing. We did it on Monday, and then I was yeah went to Fort Campbell. Uh, so it's been a whirlwind for me. I have not seen that video. I know what it is. I, I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, one of the reasons I came on here, we want you to hold us to account and we want you to, to, uh, you know, down the road, we'll have us back on and, and, uh, sharpshoot our, our ideas and sharpshoot whether we've implemented these ideas or whether, you know, we, we were able to implement a, a culture that you're talking about that, um, solves this problem or that doesn't allow these things to happen. And, you know, I do think what you're talking about is, is, um, you know, company grade leadership. Um, I think there is perhaps another conversation, you know, I don't think we'd have it here, but another conversation about, um, you know, what a senior leader would do is prioritization. So in other words, if you're a, you know, you know, and this is probably too nuanced a discussion to have here in great detail, but if you're, a, if you're a leader on, if you're a company commander in Fort Hood and the army's telling you, 
Readiness is our number one priority. Readiness is our number one priority. Readiness is our number one priority. Make sure the tanks are ready. Make sure the tanks are ready. Make sure the tanks are ready. No more Task Force Smith. No more Task Force Smith. No more Task Force Smith. Um, you know, Task Force Smith was obviously a, a tank problem uh, in, in the opening salvo of, of the Korean War. We pushed this uh, task force against the North Koreans and, and their tanks weren't ready, prepared, um, and they got basically got run over. So, you know, you, where do you take, so, so you focus all your energies on the tank, you focus all your energy on gunnery, you focus all your time on that. So where do you assume risk? Well, perhaps you assume risk in some of these areas that create or allow a problem to fester or allow for an environment that, um, that really degrades readiness. And, and perhaps that's part of the problem there. So, so what does a senior leader like General Carrillo do? Well, what, he's, what I, I feel like what he's been doing, you know, go around talking about it. Um, you know, talk to soldiers, host these focus groups, talk to make sure that his prioritization is clear to, to those leaders, to those company grade leaders, battalion, brigade, and make sure that this kind of environment and this kind of climate you're talking about uh, that he envisions for the 18th Airborne Corps, make sure that's clear. And so, you know, we want to come back on this show. I want to come back on this show and, uh, you know, face the, the firing line and, um, you know, be held to account for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100, 100%, sir. We'll, we'll have you back on and to, so I, I, this is where, I, again, I'll, I'll challenge you again, where because that's a, that's a cop-out of a poor, like you said, company-level leader to where if you're telling me readiness, 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 all right, and, okay, what's readiness? So It encompasses everything. It's a whole it system. So yeah. I, I, at a company-level leadership position as a first sergeant, I didn't have a single freaking problem handling the soldier issues. All right. I had very stressful days, very stressful weeks, you know, sometimes months. But then again, I had my own office. I had my name on the wall. All right. And then your picture comes down, your plaque comes down. Right. Then you ain't there anymore. So again, like Buddy and I always say, our job is to win wars. So what makes you more ready? So if a company commander can't manage that, then like, or a first sergeant, or a battalion commander, right? Then like Sergeant Major Bill says, we got to find those people and get them out, right? Because they obviously can't handle it. And again, I, I having done the positions just like you have, sir, as well is it's a cop out to me. I understand what readiness is. I understand what winning a war is. I've been in battle. I know all that. I also know that my formation being healthy, all right, is going to make me ready. All right, if I either have 12 guys working on tanks or I have 40, right? Which one's going to make me more ready? Obviously, having the 40, having that team, that's that's where there's that disconnect. If 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 this report comes out from senior leaders and there's a 17-page LOE that now the companies have to nest with their LOEs, right? Just like a medal, right? Like you're going to lose that battle again. You're you're going to lose it uh, because again you're. You, we're developing these leaders. Captains are young people in the army, right? Now, back in the mm-hmm. 50s and 60s, a captain was awesome because they were college educated and only half of America could freaking read, right? Now, all of America can read for the most part, right? Like you're not, and everybody's got their phones. Everybody's got their intelligence you know, systems right in front of them. And it's like, 
when are we going to be able to make it so that there it's not a zero tolerance, but there is there is zero denying what we're about. All right. So I think that's the challenge that is not at the company level. All right. That's just a company level leader that we're trying to develop. They're young. We're developing them to be in the next general and only what 0.01% make that. So it's like, we're looking for that next general. That's where the officer corps differs is from the NCO corps. Right. And to quote my favorite, uh, one of my favorite colonels, the ARTB commander, help ain't coming sometimes. It's not coming. It's not like we're going to get this influx of soldiers all of a sudden immediately. All right. When the red cycle tasks were getting terrible and the stress levels were freaking going nuts. Right. Like it's like help ain't coming. You got to manage it. You're the leader. You're the junior leader. So I, I, I agree with you, sir, that the problems, obviously, they, they can fester and like over the readiness, but who's responsible for that? Who's responsible for that company commander? Who's responsible for that battalion commander? Obviously there's something that's not clear. And in our unit, in our beautiful army that I love, a lot of things have been very clear to me. Sharp is clear because I was from a culture that didn't allow it and you know, whatever, but I still from a culture where it was okay to make fun of, make fun of a female once in a while. Right. So it's like army got rid of that for me. I still talk to some of my friends where they're like, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I don't do, I don't talk like that anymore. Right. I just don't do that. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I appreciate ha- having you on the show, sir. It was awesome. And Sergeant K you're going to be powerful. All right. On Leah's show. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, that's th- that it, it it's going to be awesome. And like, uh, you know, WTF radio was on last week and he's like, I don't handle women's problems when I was a first sergeant. Cause I wasn't a woman. I always got a woman to handle it. Right. So it's like, we're going to use that power. And I'm glad 18th airborne Corps is doing what they're doing. And yeah, I'm glad they have you here. And I didn't want you necessarily to get into it because I want you and Leah to unpeel that onion because mm-hmm. it's going to be way more powerful. And yeah. in my opinion, and if yeah. it's not powerful, then we'll bring you back on here and we can unpeel the onion on yeah. here as well. That, and that's what I was thinking, Nick, because I, I'm really excited about this whole power movement to happen on the female warrior edition. But this right here, where I'm the only female of six here, that needs to be powerful too. You know, it doesn't need to be set aside mm-hmm. to some female led episode necessarily. I'm happy to go on there, happy to get this bill there, elaborate more, but it needs to speak volumes here as well. Well, I think I think you're issue. I think you're 100 percent right. Like, yep. Sergeant K. Like, and and and, and the female edition is going to be is going to be awesome. But you know, I think what we literally just went through is like everybody wants to find out the 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 secret phrase or the secret like the secret to, the secret is 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 not acting like there isn't a problem on and and then having a discuss instead of having a sharp guy come down and show you a bunch of powerpoints mm-hmm. let's just have a bunch of people that are sitting in a room and say hey so this is what happened at fort hood mm-hmm. how do we keep that from happening here private snuffy how right. do we like what is your experience sergeant k what is your experience sergeant b like what and and how do we all have the ability to empathize with each other, figure out what our own responsibilities are, and then move on from there. Because other than that, and it's not just a sexual harassment thing, like, you know, 
the special operations community is starting to get is starting to get a lot smarter when it comes to you know readiness and the entire you know the the entire soldier and well, your support so one of the things well now i am you're right um but uh but that's one of the things that they're starting to really um it, it's okay to say hey like in order for me to be the best that I can be for my team, I need to tell you that I've got this problem that I need to, I need a little bit of time to work on. You know what I mean? In order for me to be the best soldier for, for our readiness to be it, that we need to stop for a second and we need to talk about like what's going on in the barracks. If we're at Fort Hood and we got a pimp at CQ, we need to have that discussion, you know? Uh, and, but everybody needs to be a part of it and not just, and, and everybody needs to be able to have a voice where, they can say what they want without having to worry about like, well, if I say that I'm going to get crushed because I had the, you know, the audacity to say that, you know, I didn't yeah, another agree stigma. something that somebody else said. Yeah. Another yeah. stigma. Hey, sorry. Okay. Hey, feel free. Uh, we don't have a time limit. So um, if you want to use this audience right now, fucking send it. All right. So I'm do it. Send it. If you want, we, we'd love it. Like, and I know a lot of people watching would love it because I'm pretty sure there's probably at least, you know, six or seven on YouTube that are like, I wonder what the hell this story is going to be. So, hey, this is your platform right now if you want to use it. No issues whatsoever. Yeah. And I, I think specifically with me uh, and my part of the 18th Airborne Corps challenge was uh, that I proposed something that isn't necessarily a new idea and it, and it keeps getting reported in by all the journalists out there as a very kind of vague thing. And people are wondering, even on my social media platform, like, what exactly did you propose, <laughs> you know? And because it was a closed session. And I'll tell you, I, when I initially submitted my proposal, I was heated up. You know, I might've had a little bit of Tito's that night too, when I uh, ranted on my phone and submitted my initial entry. But when I got a chance to speak and think clearly about what I wanted to focus on when talking to Lieutenant General Carilla, it was the convening authorities over the separation boards because, and I won't dig into my entire story, but what you can, if you want, the, well, the highlights of it are, you know, it was a SARM first class. I'm an E5 Sergeant who, you know, kind of came on to me, poking my side, grabbed my bottom multiple times um, when I was down at the border mission. And he also did the same thing to his own female company commander. And together I reported to her and together, we came forward to the battalion commander. The battalion commander said, I have a zero tolerance policy, zero tolerance policy for it. He uh, sent it up the chain, right? Brigade commander agreed. Division commander agreed. He got a relief for cause in COER. He got his GOMAR, uh, but he was entitled to his administrative separation board, which is all fine and good. Like I agree, checks and balances, you know, you get your opportunity, clear your case in front of this this panel of members and they get to determine, hey, should we separate or retain this individual? And if we do separate, what's the characterization of service? The board composition was three males, not shitting on males, love y'all, but why was there not a female on there? Number one. Two, there's undeniably uh, this military bias, the good old boys club, the, you know, just empathy. I think even just having empathy might end up turning into military bias when you're a military member convening over these things. So I propose, hey, stop letting senior military members convene over these things. 
You know, if it was good enough for a general to sign a relief for cause in COER for this person, why was it not good enough for this, this panel of members who, by the way, chief warrant officer, three, a uh, lieutenant colonel and a command sergeant major. But a general said, yeah, I don't want him in my army. But then these three individuals said, no, it's fine. Like, sounds like a great idea to keep him. So he's still in my unit, still sergeant first class. And my issue with that is let's take the military bias out. Let's give it to an outside agency. And then even if that's not possible or or is, the, the board needs to have equal representation. Okay. And it says very clearly in the regulation over these administrative separation boards, if you're a minority member, you know, you're entitled to have a minority member yep. present on your board. He's a majority member. He's a white male. All right. But he has two female victims with the, with the allegations. Right. So I think, you know, in reverse, maybe to represent the victims as we're clearly a minority in this profession, have a female on the board, have two or three of them, you know, I don't know that it needs to be equal both sides. Um, and so that part was unfortunate and, and he was retained and it makes you wonder if it had been, you know, an outside agency or there had been that equal representation, then how would that change the outcome? And I'm not saying these board members are bad individuals with cruel intentions, but there is, there is just, there's undeniably a military bias, you know, and a gender bias. Yeah. When you I, say, I, go ahead, Dave. When you say outside agency, what are you referring to? Like HR if, department. If you had your, if you had your choice, because obviously on these boards, I mean, it's nobody from your unit, usually, right? It's, yeah. it's no, it's nobody so, on your on your correct. unit. So, um, I you think say outside, outside of the outside of the military period, somebody, period. one with legal uh, experience. Okay, so when they pick these board members, it's based off rank, and it's based off even the commanding general said, I pick people based off their temperament, their judicial temperament, same as mine, but they're not necessarily legal experts. So one, legal experts, because they even have, you know, they have brigade legal there explaining all the legalities of things the whole time. Like they're clearly not experts in the law, you know, at least not by intention and have an outside agency. And I don't know specifically who, but legal experts, not in the military. Yeah, I agree. We talked about that. Yeah. On the show. We talked, yeah. we talked about that on a show before. It's like, people get mad at corporate America. And then we talk about the soul, the veteran suicide to where when veterans get into the corporate world, they feel entitled because they are a veteran. Right. And it's like, go try and do some of that shit in the corporate world. Go up to one of your oh, female done. employees <laughs> and poke her in the side. Right. And, and you go to a corporate HR board and they're going to be like, what happened? You did that. You're, you're admitting that you did that. Uh, bye. Like, like, you know, so it's like, all right. And then again, the corporate world will also do this. They'll be like, what were you two doing in the copying room? Right? Like, okay, here's your letter of reprimand or blah, 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 whatever. And so mm -hmm. there are things we can take from the corporate world because they're very, very successful, especially in America with capitalism. Right? So it's like, they, they have, they have a zero tolerance policy. And it goes through mm -hmm. the process of getting investigated. So there's yeah. lots of things that I would recommend as far as the investigation process. Like instead of flagging a guy or a girl, whoever is responsible uh -huh. for the allegation and flagging them for promotion or blah, 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 they should probably get rid of that unless it's like a sexual assault, right? Now right. harassment, EO, right? Let's not, 
let's not completely destroy the other soldier's career in the event that it comes out that they didn't do anything unfounded. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the that's other, a whole other discussion, though. We have a flagging really process. About. Yeah. Like, would you separate? Like, people say this as if it's a simple thing. When you separate somebody from the military, especially with something that's not a anything that's not an honorable discharge, you're not talking about getting fired from a corporate job. You're talking about a very big hit to their life. Like, oh, yeah, applying for other jobs. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't think in the corporate world the you have to explain world. why you got fired before. You do. Yeah, you do. Buddy. Yes, you do. Yeah, buddy. However, you are starting over in the civilian sector. I see what Buddy's saying. So depending yeah, on no, how no, you're yeah, trying yeah, to get hired somewhere. Starting over, you're starting over with a, like, you know, there are plenty of people. There are plenty of people on our site that will talk right, about, I, I you know, think, they got I think an other overall system, discharge and I'm gonna, you know, their ability to recover from that is like, you know, so like, I think we can all, you know, be, you make a mistake, there should be an, a, a way back. And again, you know yeah. the mistake is debatable. That's, what type of mistake we're talking about? If right, it's we're a, not talking about yeah, specifically yeah. Sergeant K's yeah, yeah. situation. We're talking about just and, overall, right. are, and we, are all we giving this guy a death sentence or are we going to give him another right. chance? Well, Sergeant K, Sergeant K, real quick, when you mentioned it was happening to your company commander as well, or the other company... Was the company commander part of this investigation then as well? Like, did she yeah. come forward or was it just you? No. They came we forward came first? Forward. Okay, good. Yeah, both came forward, both testified at his uh, separation board. Okay, um, but I just want to say, buddy, I, and I get what you're saying, but there's also this, this part of UCMJ where if somebody is guilty of sexual assault and they don't necessarily take it to courts martial, like they say, yeah, totally going to take my feel great article 15, see my separation board, whether, you know, they're retained or separated. Um, they let's say somebody separated for it and they took the field grade. They didn't, it didn't go to court. You know what they're not getting? They're not getting registered on the national registry of sex offenders, which is almost like why, you know, there's a lot of debate on that. Like, Whoa, how come people who are guilty, you know, as a sex offender who should be on that list, how come they're getting reprimanded by the army, separated by the army, other than honorable discharges from the army, but they're still not on this list. So, you know, there is kind of some leadway for people who, you know, when you say, yeah, how do you recover in the outside world? Like, well, you're already kind of getting like a little gateway to success there because you're not on that registry. Yeah, some cases prison time like, is involved. And I, I know yeah. of you know, one case, I'm obviously not going to name the individual, but he, he did some pretty horrific stuff. He's in prison. He's locked up. Yeah, but then they should be registered. And I agree with that, Sarnke. They are predators. They are predators. You've got cancer, but you just have this little bitty kind as opposed to the other kind that you could have that's a little bit worse. You know what I mean? It's No, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, 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 I, and, and I kind of spoke can, about that yeah. in, my pro, in my promo video. You probably, if you watched it, you see I say, well, what about rehabilitating individuals? And I have a lot of questions come up about that. And I was kind of speaking out of my ass when I said that, but I kind of mean it thinking about it. How do we rehabilitate people who've done the little offenses that, you know, really do deserve a slap on the wrist. You know, someone who makes a, an inappropriate joke, do they deserve, you know, characterization of service that's other than honorable? Probably not. Kind of depends mm -hmm. on the severity, but likely not. So how are we saying, 
hey, dude, not cool. And if they do it again, how are we saying, no, really, that's not cool. And you need some help. We have SUDSI, we have behavioral health, we have all these other programs say, hey, you know, if you're not passing your PT test, we're going to have you do extra PT. That's how we're going to correct it. So if right. you continue and- making these jokes, we need to rehabilitate you, get you in the mindset, like, that's not cool. And this is why. We got a question in the right. chat. Yeah, for sorry, and, and, but that, specifically. that says that you that, don't want a zero tolerance policy, though. That you know, for anybody, so no, zero, zero tolerance has zero. nothing to do with the punishment, buddy. Zero tolerance right. means it's not no. allowed. That's right. all that means. It's already not allowed, guys. Well, yeah, it's I mean, correct. so was drinking and driving, so is a lot that of was my point about the culture and yeah. climate. The yeah. culture and climate, the culture's there to not be allowed. The climate right. in certain units is what needs to get fucking destroyed. Oh, yeah, you're right. Units. And then, like, we were talking so, about Fort Hood earlier. But, I mean, like, just like you said, and you're not the only person. I've heard, like, the Fort Hood stories are, like, fucking horrible. I've never been there uh, other than to, to tour a facility for uh, for Sergeant K's husband. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, so I've never been there. But even going there, I was like, like you can... You can tell there's a difference. You know what I mean? And I, and, and a lot of that goes down to like there, there are different cultures within the military, right? Like there's an airborne culture. There's a leg culture. There's this. And, is that really and a some, culture? A or is that those, just kind of like a. a well, leg, those don't intertwine, that? right? Because once you go to Fort Bragg or Fort Benning and you become Fort, airborne Bragg qualified, you're, you're kind of you're kind of locked into 18th. To, to the 82nd, the 173rd, into those kind of units that have a, a very specific culture, right? And then if you go met, you're kind of locked into those met cultures that have a very specific Fort Hood type culture also. Right. That are like the colonel different. was saying, readiness. Yeah. Like readiness right. for the tanks. Hey Dave, what's right. the well, question for Sarkay? And, and, you know, I don't I don't like to I don't like to really no, talk we're good. About somebody how somebody in the chat was asking somebody in the chat was asking, what does UCMJ define as sexual assault? What Sergeant K describes would not be considered sexual assault. Ben no, no. is actually incorrect, and I'm saying to Ben incorrect in the chat because it would be considered okay. sexual assault. Yeah, but if you wanted to hit on that, Sarn K as well, um, just to answer that question again, too. people don't know. Correct. Yeah, Correct. that's the problem. Is, that's that's why I'm bringing up this question. Yeah. People are. Uninformed. It is a little confusing. It, it is. is a little confusing because sexual harassment can be described as unwelcome petting uh, and touching. So there, even when I was going through it, I was like, "Is this sexual harassment or sexual assault?" And you know, I'm not a legal expert. I'm not, I'm not even trained and sharp. Okay. But I just reported what happened and yep. legal took that on and said, no, no, like this is sexual assault. And, and I didn't put the title on that. They did. Oh, um, it is though. I mean, it, that's what's defined as, you know, any unwanted touching and you know, whatever. I think Nick yeah. sharp, but yeah. 100% if, I think if he had uh, stuck to just poking my side, probably could have gone with sexual har- harassment, harassment, but I yeah. think it Correct. was the, the pack fact that he squeezed my bottom a couple times that makes it now um the no-no zones you know stay away from the no-no zones yeah you learn that as a kid with good parents they don't touch (laughs) yeah yeah hey tom is still here tom tom you gotta listen to us the entire time you got anything for the group here we're pissing off our uh, producer right now he's like i got shit to do today yeah go dude we'll keep him on as long as we want we pay him in booze (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the uh the thing Shout that comes up to me like i'm like i'm an older guy you know what i mean I, I came in in 90 um my platoon started and i'll just talk a little bit but um to me to get to the point is the key is the uh what was brought up before of uh the lack of focus uh 
as the NCOs being the backbone of, of the U.S. Army. Um, I watched that transition in the 2000s. But anyway, when I got um, in 1992, I was uh, my platoon sergeant was a Vietnam vet. And, uh, and there was a bunch of other Vietnam vets there. And I had went to Ranger School, graduated, went to PODC, came back. Well, um, you know, corporal waiting to be a sergeant. And my Vietnam vet platoon sergeant says, uh, okay, you know, uh, what's your deal as the NCO? I'm like, you know, I've been to PODC. I'm like, yeah, mission, health, welfare, the troops. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, great, jackass. Like, uh, what does that mean? It's like, oh, well, mission means, yeah, the mission is like, but what does health and welfare of the troops mean? And I started talking about beans and bullets and I know how many kids they have and, you know, all these different things. He's like, no, jackass. Uh, it means that you give them the ability to survive and thrive in combat. Yep, that's still that's a doctrine. That's what health and welfare of the troops, which is a way different thing that I had in my mind at that time. But it changed my point of view from that moment all the way to what I do now with Warrior's Heart, you know, which is just same thing. I got a mission and I got health and welfare of the troops. I'm not a smart guy, but I'm very driven. And, um, and it goes back to, to me where it all falls apart is that those younger NCOs, you know, it has to be. You know what I mean? They have, it's really, I mean, it's a disrespectful thing, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's like, hey, it's not tolerated, it's not any of that, but it's like, hey, how do you hold all this account? And it's at that lower level leader, of course, 100%. you know, being driven yeah. down. Like, because when they turned into senior enlisted advisor, that's when I was like, what the hell does that mean? No, I'm an NCO. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> a senior trainer, have, you know, officers do officer things and like i like don't get in my lane i won't get in your lane and like that's how this whole machine works and uh and whenever it started getting weird like that which i guess i don't know maybe just happens when you've it's time for you to get out of the army after 20 something years or whatever but uh i don't know that's just where my heart is in it it's uh it's obviously not an easy problem to solve and i deal with a lot of the uh, aftermath um like what we do at warrior's heart whether it's uh someone getting kicked out of the military or someone experiencing the military sexual trauma and 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 you know and all of that kind of stuff it's well i'm on the receiving end of all that stuff now and i'm out of the army that's up to you guys and uh but that's just to me it comes back to the simple but not easy but very very simple uh things you know and that is is like hey i have to be a leader I have to hold everyone account below me and be held to account above me. And when that is broken down, there's nothing that anybody can do to fix that. Um, yeah. And the army and the military relies on that, that, that mid level of doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. Like I don't need a policy. Can I ask you, know? you guys a question Absolutely. since I've got some males in front of me. Okay. When we talk about locker room talk and I know you've probably all been guilty of it in some you know, hundred percent. I have been, and I've been guilty of not, you know, maybe joining in on the joke, talking about my own freaking gender. But okay, let's locker room talk is like, haha, it's funny. It's locker room talk until someone mentions someone's mama or their sister, right? And then you're ready to throw fists and you're ready uh, to put it back. No, no, in, 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 in the infantry world, mamas, mamas yeah. are all fair game. Yeah, they're they're I, have a, uh, yeah. I have a dude on my team that both of us talk about, <laughs> and both of us talk about all the time. Um, how many times we have uh, had relationships with each other's moms. And then so, he met my mom and I introduced him. I was like, oh, 
you guys know each other, right? Like he said he knew you. And my mom was like, I don't know who you're talking about. And he was super embarrassed. But yeah, that is definitely not an off-limit topic. Yeah, we, we spent the first 10 shows, the first 10 episodes saying hi to Joe's mom every time uh, who's not here. Uh, hey, Joe's mom. Uh, hey, Joe's mom. I know you're watching. Um, <laughs> but to it's go with Joe. It's not. If, if you took it seriously, like someone was, let's say sister more specifically, right? Like if, it, if you knew it wasn't a joke and it got brought up like, making crude jokes about your sister would you be upset oh there would be fists well, thrown. yeah, yeah but, um, that's a, right. and, and, so, yeah, so that's here's what here's the, what i'm gonna get I, i'm gonna about, cover tom, so. your tomato yeah, i'm gonna cover tomato. tom's i'm gonna cover tom's point and then and then sarn k is the same 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 uh part here so tom's 100 right and that doctrine hasn't changed it's still there right the problem is is when you're looking in the advanced leadership like Buddy was talking about earlier, where if you ask a, a colonel, which I know he's he's offering now, but if you ask a combat colonel, um, what do you want your sergeant major to do? Okay, uh, that that combat colonel most likely isn't going to tell you. I wish he was with me twenty four hours a day, you know, making sure I was planning right. Okay, that's dude. They're teaching APA fucking writing now in NCO academies, you know, and it's like, okay, cool, I guess, you know, maybe. But how about we make them write APA about how they're training their soldiers to win wars? So this is how this works in the infantry. All right. With squared away units like where the climate is good. Right. I am training my soldiers to destroy enemy of the United States. I am training them. I cannot promise I can bring all my boys home or girls home now. Right. But I can train them. That's taking care of soldiers. When I sat on first arm boards for promotion, I go, tell me what take care of soldiers is. And they say the same shit, you know, understanding their family life, education. No, 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 motherfucker. You're going to send them to war. All right. Are you training them to come home? Are you giving them the best opportunity to come home to their family? But guess what that encompasses? That encompasses treating people with dignity and respect. Right. That 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 encompasses making everybody part of your team. So yes, in the event you're in my locker room and we're starting to say things that slip. Now in today's culture, me as a senior leader, like I learned from my first sergeant years ago was, hey, you don't say that shit, all right? And you sure as fuck stop it if you're around, right? You stop it, right? It's still zero tolerance, but I'm not hammering this young E4 for saying something stupid, because he's got to grow. He's got to mature into the culture, right? And then I can be that voice. I can teach that. Now, I guarantee you, if somebody crosses the line in every infantry squad and platoon and company that I've been in, if somebody says something they shouldn't say, there's somebody else going, careful, buddy, right? Like, you, he's going to let that one slide, all right? But the next time, he's going to come at you, and he's going to beat the shit out of you, and we're all going to watch. Right. So that's that locker room talk. It's never, I don't care. Everybody here, you know, and again, here's understanding your soldiers. Some soldiers weren't raised with a father. Right. Some soldiers weren't raised with a mother. Some soldiers didn't have fucking parents at all. Right. So they don't have that upbringing. So they don't have that, you know, you're not supposed to say that shit. You know, I, I have yet to get punched in the mouth, except in a baseball fight real hard. Right. Because I usually win my fights, buddy. I, it's, you know, so it's what happens. But like. I've uh, I've, I've, I've never lost a 
I'm just saying. Hey, no, didn't, it's didn't okay. Joe you lose. You, you, like you no, I actually I beat Joe. His only loss in Charlie Company. I separated his shoulder. Anyways, so I've said some things that I probably should have got beaten up for, but I was lucky enough to be able to defend myself. But I also was raised right. So when somebody says Nick, you were wrong there, you know, I I was like, yeah, I was right. But there's that teaching point, that coaching point. So locker room talk the way you want to describe it, not you necessarily started K describes it, but the locker room talk that it doesn't change with women in the army. Now I, like I said, I had, I had a whole damn fucking platoon of them as medics pretty much. Right. Like I walked in on their locker room talk too. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was like, you know, and it's like, did I crush them all for it? I, you know, no, I didn't. I'm just like, Hey, uh, uh, not here, you know? And it's like, blah, 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 whatever. You know what? It's like, it's that maturing aspect. That's the culture, mature, the culture, right? Climate. I can change right now. I can, as a leader, if you're a junior leader, you can get three people aligned just like that. All right. And then you have all the tools to kick them out if they don't. So yes, Tom, 100% right. The army can't, and the army hasn't lost that. That's what I keep trying to explain to people. The DOD hasn't lost that of we're going to go fight wars, right? They haven't lost that mentality. What we're trying to fix now is a cultural shift outside right we have female ceos now of you know major corporations right we have females do it and damn it some of you don't take psychology classes all right take one literally women will not it is statistically proven women when hired will not negotiate their salary okay they will say thank you the range says 37 to 45000 women are culturally in their head are like thank you for the job yep and they don't even say anything else. If you argue that, you're not educated, okay? And I don't care, right? Now, at some point, it is up to, like Buddy says, the responsibility of the individual to learn from that and say, hey, no, I am supposed to fight for a higher wage, okay? But it's also our responsibility, and I say ours as the majority, like Sergeant K talked about, the majority who get looked at as the leadership figures and the ones who are institutionally in power, right? We are the ones that have to, you know, say, hey, it's on you now. It's mm-hmm. yours. Like the culture, the policy in the army is there. We've beaten a lot of people to that. It's the fact of getting people to mature into it. Yeah, so and that's, that's, part, that, that's part of what Tom said earlier, which I really appreciate was once we're trained, it's up to us to implement our training, but that's on all levels. We're all yes. trained every single level sexual harassment and various other things. So it's up to every level to implement that training. And on a positive note with a question, Sarah K, because it's getting late and I got to start grilling here pretty soon. I got to roll here too. Yeah. um, (laughs) Great conversation. Uh, So do you, I, do you think we should get rid of Medcom? Because as here we go, this is my, this is what I'm going to get at. So as an infantry <laughs> first sergeant, as an infantry first sergeant, you say combat medic, right? And you work where you train combat medics, right? Yeah. So I literally almost had an aneurysm in my office as a first sergeant when my, my, my medical platoon sergeant was having a, just a tough time. And I'm like, what the fuck's her problem? And I'm like, now I'm like, I almost assume that every medic in the platoon were the medics that I grew up with in 18 airborne corps. Right. So when I get these two other staff sergeants in here, I go, why is she having fucking problems? What's your problem? Right. Like, why, like, do you not know how to do this? And why don't you have an EFMB? And like, I've been in a hospital for 10 years. 
this is my first time on the line and you're yeah. a fucking staff sergeant like what like and so literally yeah. the e4 medics on the line were already better medics than this staff sergeant because <laughs> like this guy had been putting ivs and or you know working in the the, the cancer ward for eight years because they got comfortable so what do you think about medcom let's real quick I don't know about MedCom, but I know when you talk when you talk 68 whiskey, you know, are you a combat medic or are you a healthcare specialist? Well, you're both. Okay. So it, it encompasses everything. I think even the career map to make E7 as a medic, and I might be totally wrong here, but my understanding is you have to have both clinical and um, non-clinical experience. And they, you know, full circle, I've met some really great medics who haven't stepped foot in a clinic. And I've said, I've met really great medics who've only been part of a clinic and I've met complete opposite, you know, terrible medics who have like, been a line medic for nine years. I've never worked with females and I've never worked in a, in a hospital. Well, like, what do you really know? Because some of my best training came from that clinic clinical experience. And then I've done both, you know, and there's things that you see on the line that you don't get to do in the clinic because it's not your scope of practice there. So I think Lots it, of things it's a balance of experience <laughs> and I don't have EFMB and I'm here to tell well, you, you better get I'm after that. not sitting on it. I think it, it's an awesome like morale booster goal setting thing, but I don't think I'll ever go out for it. And I don't think it makes a person eh, better medic. Yeah. Well, that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you on. <laughs> that's, a that. yeah, that's a whole other discussion, yeah. but Hey, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. I know the, the Colonel's on a phone call and uh Sergeant K, thank you so much. And Tom, before Dave closes this out, last word. Last word. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Tom. Absolute pleasure. Hey, Sergeant K, Colonel Buccino. Did I pronounce it right? The Italian. Sergeant K, thank you. And Tom, Ace, you know, what you got going on, keep saving lives out there. We definitely want to get some more information, Absolutely. so keep us posted. Um, we'll tag all the Absolutely. links, your website, all that. I mean, that is some tremendous stuff. Sarnke, keep fighting the good fight. Sir, thanks for coming on. Thanks for representing. We'd love to have you back on if you're still listening. I know you're on a phone call, but you'll be able to watch this episode. Um, thanks to all our viewers on Gruntworks. All right, check us out on YouTube, Spotify, IG, TikTok. What else, Nick? Apple I'm Music, I'm Apple Podcasts, all kinds of crazy shit. I don't shit. know the podcast stuff. I don't know, but just you gotta, if you listen to podcasts, we're on there. All right? <laughs> we're we're everywhere. Uh, go to shop.veterantrashtalk.com. Okay, we got some awesome merch. All right, we sell a bunch it's of a merchandise. It's a dumpster fire every time. Part of our proceeds <laughs> go to Stop Soldier Suicide, who we're partnered with. Awesome. And then this is my baby right here, Veteran Trash Talk button. Okay? Let me break it down. Buddy. Comes in 12 different military sets. Okay, you need this on your desk. If you are currently yeah. serving in the military or you are out, you need one of these. Smoke yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's hazing, Dave. Great weekend. Thanks, everybody. We're out. <laughs>